When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Broadcasting live from Florida's capital city, this is the Jeff Cameron Show, brought to you by Orange Theory Fitness on Real Talk 93.3. Now, stop what you're doing and listen closely. It's time for the Jeff Cameron Show in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. This would be the Jeff Cameron Show right here on 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. As you can tell, obviously, same thing as yesterday. We are at the house. Happy Veterans Day to all of you out there. Obviously, we want to acknowledge that right at the top of the show. It is Libations Friday, but more importantly, it is Veterans Day. So uh, we salute our veterans. Happy Veterans Day, everybody. I'm Jeff. Tom will be along shortly, at least sterling this hour of Paramount Sports, just because we're pre-recording this show today slightly earlier than its normal start time. Doesn't mean we didn't want to get Lee Sterling in for Paramount Sports. We'll have my mom in hour number two to make her picks as well, which we're looking forward to. She picked up a game on me uh, last week, so that's good. But uh, it's a normal show, as always, on a Live Nations Friday before Florida State and Syracuse. Right from the get-go, I do want to note that uh, tomorrow's pregame show, Tom, if you want to show the people the graphic, we can, uh, for those that are watching on War Chant TV, there it is. Pregame show begins at 7 o'clock. Myself and T. Lizzie will break down Florida State and Syracuse. The watch-along party is at 8 o'clock. Of course, our own Dominic Robinson does a great job with that, and so do Tom and Aslan, and even occasionally, occasionally if I'm on board. And the uh, postgame show is Tom and Gene. That begins 10 to 15 minutes after Florida State and Syracuse wrap. Hopefully we're talking about another lopsided win. Those are easier shows to do, are they not, buddy? I mean, goodness, this team is rolling right now, playing good football. You want to finish out this season on a roll. I do think they are equipped and poised to do so. They're healthier than they've been. They're playing well. They're probably brimming with confidence. Got to wonder where Syracuse's head's at right now as they have lost three straight. They've had some injuries along the way. It will be absolutely pivotal for Syracuse uh, of paramount importance, I should say, that they have Schrader back at quarterback. I'm told he's practiced this week. I've checked in with some Syracuse people. It looks like he did get plenty of reps. But remember, that's what they said about Tyler Van Dyke last week at Miami, and we were all a little, hmm, I'm not so sure this passes the smell test. And then he got out there, and A, he looked terrible when he was out there. Miami, by the way, just a newsflash, Miami was not going to win that game, if again, uh, if, if Joe Namath were quarterback. It wouldn't make any difference. They had zero chance to beat Florida State. They're just not good enough. They're an inferior program. 
who have uh, very few players of note. So that wasn't going to make a difference, but it certainly would have helped him maybe lessen the abuse uh, had Van Dyke been healthy and been able to, you know, at least get some first downs in foot field position, which they couldn't do. It was pretty obvious early on he wasn't right, and then he got hurt again, uh, which is kind of criminal, which if I were a father who had a quarterback contemplating going to Miami and I watched that display on Saturday, I think I'd reconsider that that kid played in that condition, got hurt again. Uh, I know Coach Cristobal told everybody that uh, he was cleared. I don't doubt him. Oh, well, he didn't even tell him. So on his Monday show, he was uh, he was coached up to make sure that it was said. So I went and watched about five to seven minutes of, of sure. yeah. Mario Cristobal's show. And the first segment, and, and they've got some actually really good people down there. Joe Zagaki is the play-by-play guy. He's been he does there. a good job. He does a very good job. Um, I forget, and forgive me, Miami fans, who was the analyst <laughs> sitting in the middle. But the analyst said, and coach, it's just important to, to remember that, you know, if you're medically cleared to play, yeah. then you can play, right? Isn't that right? Isn't that right, coach? Mm-hmm. Say, exactly. That's right. You know, it, it was medically cleared. And I was, oh, okay. Yeah. So it was very important that they put that out there because the speculation down, maybe in that athletic department, but certainly down in that market, must have been rampant that they they did him a disservice by playing him so much so that the PR department said, don't let Mario forget. He's got to say these words that well, he is medically clear to play. And if Van Dyke transfers, then you know all you need to know about how that situation was handled. He may transfer anyhow. I mean, he could transfer regardless of the fact that they played him when he was hurt. I mean, I, I would, I, if I'm him, I'm certainly thinking Gaddis's offense is not for me. Uh, even when he was healthy, they sucked. So I don't, to me, this is a mess, but we'll let them wallow in their nonsense. Hopefully they lose to Georgia Tech tomorrow. I think there's a good chance they do. Um, which, by the way, we saw Georgia Tech, everybody. That'll tell you where Miami's at, that that game's a pick that line is, I mean, come on now. We saw that. That line's a pick em. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> so, hey, listen, I Tyler, he, he may want to look around. That's all I'm saying because that's an ugly situation. They're in, they're in a major rebuild, Tyler. They're in a major rebuild. You'll be long gone by the time they see the fruits of that labor if they ever see it. No. Um, so there's something, yeah. If they're smart, last thing on Miami, but if they're smart, they'll use Shakari Brown and they'll just run read option all day and then they'll throw off of it because I think that would be how you, that's how you get to a bowl game if you're them. That's how you find a way to a bowl they're, game. This year. They're not going to a bowl game. No. I mean, come on, sir. <laughs> Don't you give them that kind of they're not going to a bowl game. Um, so 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 there's that. But yes, and it, it, the point is, uh, we got off track there. That did make me laugh, by the way, because they, they did have to go out of their way to say that he had been medically cleared. On every show that Cristobal did, it got mentioned. It got mentioned every time. He was either asked about it very specifically early in the interview or he brought it up himself because he knows it was a bad look. It's a bad look. Before the wincing on the crossbody throwaway, before the falling on the arm and the getting up and all that, before that ever happened, look at the ball come out of that kid's hand. Come on, you can't tell me you didn't see that at practice all week long. If it looked like that on game day, after a week's worth of, you know, coddling, you're telling me that you saw him throwing the ball crisply during the week? No, you didn't. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. Period. And and the, the talk on Schrader is that it's a lower body injury. It's not the throwing shoulder in the same way that it was for Van Dyke. Do I have that right? I understand it as a lower body. 
So initially the thought was it was a concussion. Okay. And then they denied that repeatedly. They said that it was not a concussion. And then they, Dino Babers is a child and he gets asked questions and he doesn't give real men answers. And he likes to dance around things and say things like owie, like an ass. Um, it's embarrassing to, to, to watch a grown up uh, act the way that he does in these interviews. So he, he danced around it repeatedly. And then he ended up saying, well, listen, it's, it's, it's not that it's not that. Then they said, well, okay, well, if it's not a, if it's not a concussion, is it an arm injury? Is it a knee injury? Is it a leg injury? Is it a lower body, upper body? He still wouldn't give an answer. Yes, they're speculating it was a lower body injury, but it's weird because, Tom, all Syracuse fans have watched the kid in warmups. They've seen him look fine. Yeah. So if it's not a concussion and he's standing in uniform throwing the football and he doesn't appear to have any problems, what the hell is it? Well, you'll be able to tell by the way he plays if he does play tomorrow night. And that's is he's the same runner? Does he run? I'd hit, I would hit him with a little extra what for very early to find out. Yeah. Well, I mean, and does he call his own number? Because he's fearless running the football and obviously yes, he's, tough. Very, he's very tough to bring down as it is, even if he was just standing in the pocket looking to make a throw. That's the hard part is getting your hands on him is not even half the job for this defensive front. Yeah, he's strong. He's, and listen, I want to make it abundantly clear because I can hear it right now in my head. I'm not knocking the kid. I don't want anybody to think that I'm taking shots at the kid. I'm taking shots at the coach. Um, uh, the, the kid is fine. He's a tough kid. He's a, a fine college quarterback, you know, not, nothing to write home about. Uh, but he is tough, and he will run, and he is willing to put it on the line. And if you have a kid like that, then you doff the cap. And they will call his own number, and he'll call his own number. And he ran all over us. We saw it up close and personal. That's the Jordan Travis game at the end where we get – lucky and avoid the holding call that was blatant um and and we win the game which is great but that kid put them in a position to win because he really lit us up and his legs led to some open passes so he ended up yeah let's hope he doesn't play if he does play and he's healthy then we may have a game because he is tough yeah it, that's true and and they make a lot of throws that are anticipatory in that offense to uh coach and I we talked about him this week first year offensive coordinator worked with Brennan and uh, obviously under Bronco Mendenhall at Virginia Mm -hmm. uh, that was a transplant from BYU to Virginia and now up to Syracuse. He's covering the uh, all the contiguous 48, it would seem. But that <laughs> offense is is impressive um, in, in its passing concepts and how much it's grown in one year and developed through Schrader, who we thought was a one-trick pony. Yeah, not, we didn't think he could do it, yeah. It's not that hard. Get the kid on the ground. That was last year. This year you say, ooh, all right, all right, Garrett, I, I see it. Without great receivers, they've got Gatson, yeah. who's their one target, but they don't have great receivers. That passing game is actually very impressive. We got asked earlier in the week about the defense and how impressive they are. They're smart because they coach around the things they can't do well. I'm impressed with that offense because you see what's left behind in the wake of his departure at Virginia, an awful offense, and you see what's happened at Syracuse with their passing concepts. It's a much, much better and more potent attack, but it only works if Schrader is the quarterback. They don't have a good backup. And accuracy issues still plague Garrett Schrader as it is. There'll be times when somebody's wide open and you just see a ball hit the ground and spiked like DJ. Every once in a while, you go, what in the hell? But yeah. he's much better and he's the only chance they have to win this football game. But I like the way you led this talking point, which was even if he plays, what version of himself is he? And that's what you got to find out tomorrow. You got to find out early. And, and you know, uh, obviously you, you play within the rules, but uh, if you can if you can get a good shot, you take your chances and you, and you get a good shot in there. And let's find out where he's at physically, because if he's a shell of himself, Florida State's going to win comfortably, period. 
If he doesn't play, Florida State's going to win in a runaway. Now, if he is healthy and he plays well, could have a game. Could have a game because I still would maintain that the real trust that I have when I watch Florida State is all on offense. It's all on offense. Now, I get it. A lot of people can say, Jeff, they just held Miami to three points. They've played really well in back-to-back games. Georgia Tech's offense is awful. They didn't have their starting quarterback. I don't really count it. You look at this situation with Miami. They didn't have their starting quarterback. Their backups are terrible. They quit before they could get started because they were down just like that after back-to-back Florida State touchdowns. I still don't know that it says as much about our defense as it does the opponents. I do know that our offense is good, period. So I have a lot more faith in the offense. We'll see about this defense. Yeah, the thing, you know, I immediately regretted it when I did the pick on the War Chant Report. Uh, It's been bothering me since we recorded it on Wednesday afternoon that I gave Syracuse 21 points in the prediction. I said 35 to 21. I think it's got 16 or 17 at most written all over it. I think even if Schrader plays, I've got a suspicion that this defense has actually improved incrementally. Like well, it would be huge if – and to that end, and I know we got a break, he's going to bring Lee Sterling in. To that end, Tom, there's a part of me, for the exploratory mission sake, wants Schrader to be perfectly healthy, right. wants them to have all their guys, and play to the best of their ability. And if at that point Florida State holds them to under 20 points, well, yes, please. I'm going to be very, very, very happy with what I've seen, and I'll give them more credit. Jeff Cambridge, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back guaranteed because with ebay motors you're burning rubber not cash with all the parts you need at the prices you want it's easy to make your car the mvp and bring home huge wins keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply the cameron show is a production of the warchant.com multimedia network check out warchant.com today for the latest news inside florida state athletics that's warchant.com now back to jeff on real talk 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV, Libations Friday. We're getting the man in right now, Lee Sterling, Paramount Sports. Welcome to the program. I love this guy's honesty. Lee, my heart was as broken as yours. I watched every second of the Air Force game, a game that Air Force dominated. And was it number 59 or 69 who had the two false starts on the one-yard line that absolutely killed us on this cover, buddy? Killed us. Yeah. I mean, to get to the one-yard line, all you need to do is punch it in, and you win. What's crazy is that was the first game Saturday. I haven't lost a game since. So we won, won every game Saturday, did not lose game Sunday, win Tuesday night with Ohio, and win last night with Memphis. So I, I don't seem to win those games. 
So I don't but, know, buddy. Uh, You've been good on those. You were undefeated on your 45 yeah. unit plays, 50 unit plays on the year. Yeah. So you just got robbed a little bit there. We didn't cover that one by a how, half. How about uh, the tripping? How about the tripping? I know, and they didn't call it. <laughs> no. When you lose, you remember everything that happened. And uh, also, do. hey, you know what? Would I take? Would I rather have winning that game and go two and nine, right. or losing the game going nine one and two? I'll take the nine, one, and two. Oh, the, us real ones out here know the deal, Lee. It's okay, yeah. right? We, we're, yeah. we're okay. I mean, we're, we're yeah. in it to win it here. All right, let's get to the games. Uh, fun ones this week. I was surprised by this line. I, I want to hear your thoughts on Texas. I saw seven and a half earlier in the week, seven TCU. Yeah. TCU's been great all year, a fun team to, to bank on. They've struggled at times to, to you know find ways to win games, but they are undefeated. Sonny Dyke's doing a good job there. Talk to me about this number. So, like, I think the Georgia-Tennessee line, a lot of people were shocked. I told everyone Georgia's going to win. I think this one is wrong. I, I, I thought last week was right. I thought Georgia was going to put pressure on Hendon Hooker, and they did, and dominated the game. I think TCU is one of these teams that is so good, they're going to find a way to stay in games. Not saying they're the top four team in the country, but what has Texas done? I mean – They've been dominated, I think, like 38 to 7, uh, second half of the last two games. Um, play calling has been poor. They were helped last week by Kansas State, number one, st starting Adrian Martinez instead of Will Howard. How do you bench a guy who beats a good team 48 nothing, and before that was up 28-10 before he left with an injury? So uh, TCU is going to find a way to make it close. I don't know if they're going to win or not. I actually got Texas winning 41-38, but – I'll take the seven. Wouldn't shock me if TCU wins outright. I agree. A sneaky good game here. Oregon's favored heavily, 13 and a half. I've been waiting on this number to get to 14, 14 and a half to jump Washington. Whose side are you on here? I, I, I would still play Washington. Here, here's there's sometimes not who's more talented. Oregon's obviously more talented. Uh, number one passing game. So Michael Penix, he's number two in all purpose yards um, and behind May. And they have the number one passing game. And what does the Oregon Ducks have on defense? Number 117th against the pass. Uh, also, there's another thing I think that is, is in Washington's favor. They may not be a great defense, but they're very quick. And might force Bo Nix into some turnovers, sacks. And uh, they get a couple turnovers. It's going to be tough to, to cover almost a two-touchdown spread here. So uh, I'll take Washington here. I think. The Ducks win this game something like 42 to 34. I think 13 and a half is too much. All right, so we have a, a sucker bet here. Vegas is begging you. I'm sounding the alarms with my hands. Uh, LSU, Arkansas. So I know everybody looked at this game. This is a great spot for Arkansas, but is LSU just playing too well, the number three? I think you have a great point there. Yeah, <laughs> I think they might be playing too well. I don't like going against hot quarterbacks. It, I think it's LSU or stay off the game. Sam Pittman, early in the year, first like three, four games of the year, a lot of upsets, and he gets his team up. I think his linebackers and defensive backs are so deficient, they just can't make plays in space. I think it's going to be tough for him uh, to knock off LSU. Do I think LSU's a top four team? Maybe not, but uh, I just can't back uh, Arkansas. So uh, we'll take LSU here, 34-24. Well, let's go to a team that beat LSU. That would be Florida State University. There we go, Lee. We're about, we're talking. Hey, you notice? Wait, I'll see you later. <laughs> <laughs> 
Hey, so by the way, you noticed this is the kind of love we have for each other. Lee's right. one of the few great Miami fans, and I laid it, I laid low with it. We didn't even really yeah. bring it up until right now. Right. Did you go or were you lucky enough to stay home? Uh, I stayed home. Okay, good. I don't go to many games anymore. My daughter's not. After my daughter finished cheerleading, I think I had tickets for like 35, 36 years. Um, I just need to watch so many games. Yeah. Not that yeah. I don't enjoy. You know, it's become so my tickets are on the south side. I have to park on the north, far northwest corner. You got to go over these bridges. It's like a 30, 40 minute hike just to get into the stadium, into your seats. Yeah. So it's becoming with tailgating a seven, eight hour event. And yeah. I just prefer, I've got a 75 and 255s in my man cave. I, what I do is I, I put up like an email, I send an email out to about 15, 20 different people, a couple, few couples uh, we entertain with, some of my friends. And we have four seats and we can add two more. And so once the six seats fill up, that's it. And we have different themes. We'll go Italian some days. Uh, Delhi on Sundays a lot is popular. Just I enjoy watching that way now. So uh, It's smart. It's, it's easier It's easier to accept uh, watching on three big screen televisions when you had a hunch. You did have a hunch. Yeah, this could get yeah. ugly. And I certainly had a hunch. Yeah. So You had, a, you no had a, do- a larger hunch than I I don't <laughs> think anyone thought it was going to be that bad. Um, it's and now it's hurting recruiting with Shada, you know, one of their key recruits quarterback decommitted and committed to Florida. That's bad news for both of us. Yeah. So if he's going to decommit, go somewhere else, go to Tennessee or something like that. Well, the good um, news is Florida state could paste Florida and then the could come here. That's true. That's true. <laughs> that's true. So now, you know, he's got to try to hold it together. Syracuse has got a problem in this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, if their quarterback can't play Schrader, they just can't compete. They don't have any depth. And they don't hit on big plays. And when you face a team that has the confidence that Florida State has now, I think Florida State's a tough out here. I'll lay the six, six and a half. I think Florida State wins this game here 33-17. Yeah, I think it's lopsided as well. All right, really quickly, Tampa Bay and Seattle. The Bucs find a way to win a game they probably shouldn't have won. Been ugly all year long. They're giving yeah. points here. Who do you like? So I heard someone say the angle that that Seattle has to fly so much farther. And that's a problem. So I actually put someone on my staff um, to work here. So this is the way it works out. To fly from Tampa um, to Germany, 4,411 miles. Seattle, I guess because of the curve, the way they do it, Mm -hmm. is only 4,785 miles. Only a little over 370 miles more is the flight. So... Um, people saying that Seattle is at a big disadvantage because of that turned out not so. Um, what impressed me about Seattle, Geno Smith, he throws a pick six. They go behind. He gets under center and four or five plays, bam, they come back and took the lead, never looked back here. I think they have the better running game. There's a lot of problems in Tampa. Tom, you should have stuck with Giselle. Um, you should have quit last year. <laughs> I like Seattle here. I think they win 24-20. Florida and South Carolina is the game of the week for you here. How do folks get it, Lee? Just call 800-400-9741. We'll give it to them for free. Um, Nine, one, and two last week. We won 11 out of 13 weeks. How about this special? You don't need to sign up for a month or a season. You want to try me on Saturday? Seven games, $77. As soon as you purchase it, window pops open, all seven games. Five games, 55 in the NFL. We have not had a losing Sunday in the NFL, seven for 77 on Saturday, five for 55 on Sunday, just one place. 
not the University of Miami, ParamountSports.com. <laughs> Good to see you, Lee. Thanks for jumping on this morning, right, buddy. Jim. Be well. See you, buddy. Right, take care. Lee Sterling, Paramount Sports, does a great job for us. And, uh, Tom, we'll keep it rolling here, and you and I will kind of reflect on these games. It is funny, by the way, that he uh, mentions the, the flight distance. I had somebody uh, tell me that as well because there was a whole story about that this week, which cracks me up. Um, and I had a – I. Obviously, my my brother was a uh, head of the tower at, at Logan for a long time, and <laughs> air traffic controller. And he, he he and I were talking. He was like, "What? This is silly." <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I, I guess you need an angle here, but I I kind of agree with him. Seattle's one of the best stories in in the NFL this year. It's it's crazy. It's not that they're winning; it's that Geno Smith's playing really well. It's like he's. It's not like hey, smoke and mirrors. They're finding ways to win games. Like, dude is balling. Yeah, it doesn't stop. It, you know, it was it was cute for week one because Seattle was playing Denver and Monday Night Football. And you thought, oh, that's really funny. They stuck it to Mr. Unlimited himself. <laughs> but it just keeps on going. His efficiency numbers are really good. Um, they use the, the middle of the field really well on offense as well. So it's not just about DK Metcalf and Baldwin on the outside. Yeah. Will Isley is a guy in the red zone that they really like to go to. And then the running game's not bad either. The thing is, though, that if the Bucks found a way to win this game, it might signal, and this is maybe hope talking, but it might signal that the division race will soon be over. But I don't know. The good thing is we'll know by noon on Sunday. So you can either put your Bucks stuff away for the year or yeah. you can say double down time. Here it is because it's a bye week followed by Cleveland for the Bucks on the other side of the, uh, the Munich trip. I have to say, I don't think I'll, well, A, I wouldn't put Bucks here away. Because I would never I, either. You know, you know. I, I know what you mean. But I would also say this. I don't know. They could win six games and win the division. So yeah. uh, it's like wait, you got to hold off. You could. Hey, you know, what? be the funniest thing ever is the opportunity to wear um, an NFC South division championship. If you win six games, how funny I would wear that one all the time. It, because years from now, somebody would be like, didn't you? Win? Yeah. 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 Division champs, baby. Right. <laughs> it only took six. Yeah, I know. We got the the result last night. I mean, it, you know, it was unlikely with the Chargers game with a couple of fumbles laid for Atlanta on Sunday, and mm -hmm. then they lose in OT. But then last night was pure NFC South football. That is NFC South football for that ass last night. It was something to behold. I laughed the whole time. I actually went to bed. I That was the, the universe's way or the NFL's way of telling me, get a good night's sleep. Just get a good night's rest. There's no reason for you to be up here. What are we doing? I went back and turned on the college game, kind of laid back, flipped back and forth between the college game and the NFL game, was kind of doing that a little bit, fading in out of sleep. Tom, I might have been in bed and sound asleep by 9 p.m. I was <laughs> yeah. Tony Kornheiser this thing. <laughs> well, it was rainy all night, all day. It was, it was nothing to do. I was like, listen, just, yeah, just take it to the bed. I was outside for maybe – two full minutes yesterday because there was a loud noise on the roof and had to check either side of the house. And that yeah. was it. Good so, old home ownership. Yeah. When you're indoors all day, it's easier just to say, you know what? I'm calling it a night. Well, that's, that's just, you're just telling the world. You're like, you know what? I'm punting on this day. I know you're going to tell me we don't get days back and I'm okay with that. I don't want this one back. I'm going to bed. I will start a new one, fresh, ready to roll tomorrow. Buddy, the amount of graphic work I played with just because I couldn't go outside <laughs> yesterday. I'm like, man, I've been in our cloud program for way too long doing this stuff. But yeah. 
Libations Friday rolls on. Good to be with you as always. That was Lee Sterling in Paramount Sports real quick. He took TCU to cover the number. I do think this number is weird. I agree with him there. He took Washington to cover the 13 and a half against Oregon. I've been waiting patiently for this thing to get to 14 to play it. He took LSU. He doesn't buy it. It is a sucker bet. We all know this is a sucker bet, but he took LSU. He took FSU to cover comfortably as my voice leaves me. And he took Seattle to beat the Bucks. ParamountSports.com. Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. The Cameron Show is a production of the WarChant.com Multimedia Network. Check out WarChant.com today for the latest news inside Florida State Athletics. That's WarChant.com. Now, back to Jeff on Real Talk 93.3. Friday rolls on, loosey-goosey, kind of loosey-goosey. This was interesting. Um, At the end there, talking with Lee, that was fun. You and I, uh, in talking about Florida State and this offense, and, you know, he picked Florida State to roll big. I I saw the piece that Dominic Robinson has for us on Warchant.com. I want to invite all you guys, if you haven't seen it, go go to Warchant.com. This is not shameless promotion. It's really cool. You know, we talked all week long right after the Florida State-Miami result about how many times Florida State ran counter and how many times they pulled the guard and the tackle or the tight end added to the mix. Um, It's really a simple play, a fun play, requires a whole lot of what for. And if you can run it, you can dominate teams, humiliate teams, uh, and really it can be the basis for everything you run off of it. And Dominic does a good job in the piece of pointing out that it's the base of of the offense for Mike Norvell going all the way back to Memphis. And one of the things that stands out to me, Tom, when we watch that piece, and really it has all year long when we run counter, is it's kind of a guessing game whether or not you're going to get a good block from the tight end or the H-back, right? And we knew early on uh, in Mike Norvell's tenure, and he, he said it, he talked about just the importance of that position they got to go get him one. They got to go get a guy that can really play the position um, to a higher degree because this is already successful. They're already really good at it. Can you imagine now if you bring in a plus player, a plus plus player, a real dual threat, 255 pound, can run, but also can hit you and block and get into you? Um, if, they, if you're able to bring a guy like that in, uh, which unfortunately the answer is Dominic Robinson's son. Um, but he is, the answer is Dominic Robinson's son, but it doesn't look like he's going to come to Florida state. There are a lot of reasons for that, whatever. I don't begrudge any kid, but it would be great if he changed his mind. It'd be nice if dad somehow found a way to rekindle the Florida state fire. I don't know. He's being recruited by Georgia, USC, Ohio state. I got it, but he's that kind of player that I'm talking about. And they don't really have him on the roster. I don't know if Jarrell Power will be that or not. I, You know, Tom, it's too early in his career. The body type looks good. He's one of these freshmen. I'll just say this. Pretty early on when you looked at him, you thought, that's the right body. But he's got miles to go. He, he's not anywhere close to playing, um, at least in my opinion. And so, and that's, there's no shame in that. That's what freshmen, that's a normal thing. But you know, we, we still don't have that guy. We don't have that guy on the roster. No, Cam McDonald's been better this season. Um, 
you know, he only caught his first touchdown pass in garbage time. Well, actually, there is no garbage time against Miami. What am I talking about? None whatsoever. You keep look at it two ways, Tom. It was garbage time midway through the second quarter. Yeah, yeah. And everything after that was just fun. Uh, or you could, and what you're talking about, there is no such thing. Yes. But you know, if I'm grading as blocking for the year, just using the old school eye test and frustration test, it's a C minus, you know, it's, sure. it's, nothing, it's nothing great. Uh, Marquiston's not a great blocker because he doesn't have the speed to get to the point that they need him to, but that could be awesome. He's a hoss and, and he's like, they have found good options that can become adequate to maybe plus players in the ACC, maybe. Like, Brian Courtney, for example, as a receiving tight end, is going to be a very good player. He caught his first pass against Miami on Saturday night. But if he's ever strong enough to get to the point and make some of these blocks as an H-back, not as a true tight end, because I don't think they would line him up next to a tackle in some of their formations. But if he can be your H-back crossover player, he's going to be very useful because his receiving skills are already through the roof. And he didn't play tight end. He played quarterback. So you're, you're getting him up to speed. They've got some good players that are somewhere between ready-made and project status, and they're getting closer to ready-made, but they don't have that superstar. And I was watching, for example, a lot of the Purdue-Syracuse game this week in the lead-up to FSU's game because I wanted to see when Syracuse was at full strength defensively if they played as soft as they did against Clemson, for example, and they did. So I found that interesting. Uh, But Durham, the tight end from Purdue, looks like, the bona fide NFL inline tight end who can also break off in the route tree, make good catches, and is a good target for Aiden O'Connell. If we ever get that guy in this offense, oh my goodness, this offense takes off because then counter is terrifying because you're ready to go block. This guy releases behind you and it's all day. It's a pick or poison with a zone read or sorry, with a read option. No, correct. With a, uh, a, a RPO. There we go. The third option. With- <laughs> There's so many read options and options. What a modern time we live in. But yeah, an RPO with the tight end is now the play. It's not necessarily about you're looking at a safety to see if the receiver should be the guy you throw to. It's just all near the line of scrimmage. And I love that because that is an absolute nightmare for guys who can't defend it. A linebacker's too uh, slow and a safety's too small. I want to get to that place with Mike. Yeah, we we've seen teams do that to us. Uh, we've seen teams with really good tight ends do that to our linebackers and safeties. And uh, I did a, I used to do a Sirius XM show uh, with a former Tennessee Titan offensive tackle whose son was an all world tight end at Purdue. Purdue tends to produce these kinds of players. My point of that is that once you do get the reputation as being a place, a home, or an offense for that kind of player, it recruits itself, but you have got to be able at this point to, to prove this. We're getting into to proof of concept stuff, right? I, this is on tape. You've got to find a way to convince these guys. Like, look, do you see this guy that we have running it? Great kid. Love him. Sweetheart of a man. And I'll always be grateful for him to hang in here at FSU during a transitional period of my coaching career, but he ain't you. He's not the guy that can do the things that we're asking him to do. He's a guy that's doing the best he can. Sometimes it works out. Sometimes he just gets in the way long enough. But he's not dominating anybody. You could do that for us. You could do that for us. And if you do that for us, your great reward is not only is that great film, the National Football League, it's also because it shows the the duality of your game. Right. But the other part of this is that we will reward you off of this. We will get you the ball. 
We want to get you the ball. Our offense is predicated on it to some degree. We want to throw you the ball, and it's your just reward for all that we're asking you to do in the run game. It just, I really would love to see somebody see it, know enough about it, and go, you know what? That's true. He did it at Memphis. He's doing it at Florida State, and he's doing it with less guys. We'll do it. Let's go. You see some of the formations that were used at Memphis, and they're crazy compared to what's used here. For example, um, in Dominic's breakdown, you'll see a lot of um, pistol formations with the two tights, and that's how Florida State kind of ices the game when they realize that Miami's not going to care to stop our basic run play counter. We're just going to go to that formation. At Memphis, he'll have a two-back with an H-back kind of sitting. It's a weird. It looks like three points in a box, and you're looking to close out the box in the backfield. Uh, And it's it's really strange, but it creates angles for agile players, agile tight ends or H-backs. And Coach Norvell talked to Ira this week. He asked him after Tuesday's practice about the fullback position. And Mike responded saying, I don't just like the fullback position. I love the fullback position. And I usually pull a defender in order to be that player, which is why DJ Lundy is the fullback in this offense. But it just goes to show you, I think it speaks to a larger point, that even though Mike Norvell is modern and this offense looks very college because it's in shotgun or pistol pretty much all of the time, or 99% of the time, he has roots in old-school football. He likes the old-school physicality of running right at you, and that's where he wants to go with his offense. And you don't have to be a six foot seven freak or six foot six freak like somebody out in Arizona that we might know, the son of Dominic Robinson, in order to be that guy in this offense, you've just got to be a combo player. You can be a little undersized and still whoop ass in the system. I think about the Millard brothers uh, at Oklahoma years ago. Those guys weren't all-world Travis Kelsey-looking players coming out to the NFL, but they were those Swiss Army Knife players that had good hands, a good understanding of how to block in space, and then you could line them up anywhere because the play usually followed where they went, whether it was a run or a pass. Oklahoma did use it really well. You're right. I remember being jealous of that. I mean, we have been yearning, longing for an elite level tight end for some time here. Um, you know, when you watch Saturday football, a couple of things here. First of all, when you watch Brock Bowers, you realize that some NFL team is going to be very, very fortunate when they get the freakish, most, most freakish tight end I've ever seen. I mean, that's the dumbest. Think about the 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 lottery that Brock Bowers won the genetic lottery and also the good fortune of being from where he's from. Like that dude has had a good life. He's he's had a good life on and off the field. I'm fairly certain of it. Now that said, if you get a guy, it doesn't have to be Brock Bowers, but if you get a guy with a unique skill set like that, this offense goes to another level and it's so exciting. And what you were talking about with Mike Norvell's uh, roots, This is true of every modern gimmick, or you don't even have to call it a gimmick, just unique formation, okay? All of them are rooted in the simplest of concepts. And when you talk to, or you read about, so Education of a Coach, Bill Belichick, great book. Uh, Halberstam wrote it, unfortunately, Halberstam's dead. Anyhow, that point, I I miss his books, (laughs) But, but, but the point would be, like, Everything was rooted in like Navy's offense, mm-hmm. Navy's defense, just the simplest of things because his dad was a scout. And when you go through and read the stuff that the principles of what he believes and why and of leverage and all this other stuff, like when you get into that, you're like, okay, so we can take things that were being run in 1932 and you just skew them a little bit, but the principles are the same. I mean, there's nothing new under the sun is the point. Like when the Wildcat made a comeback, 
old coaches got so excited. You'd, you'd hear them breaking it down. They'd be brought in as guests to break down the Wildcat because they played in 1957. And they'd be like, oh, let me tell you how it works. And they would get so excited. They'd come on here. But in truth, like they do versions of the Wildcat throughout college football currently, throughout uh, peewee football, of course, throughout high school football. And you see it in the NFL. Guys still run it. And it's it's variations of it where they'll throw the ball out of it sometimes now. Even if you, if you keep a quarterback out of that formation, you can. It's fascinating. Just there's nothing new under the sun is the point. Like it's all rooted in old school principles of angles and leverage. Yeah, and the thing I love about this offense or where it wants to go philosophically is we're not looking for 285-pound offensive linemen, but we are looking for 300-pound offensive linemen that can move. It's, can move. Not about, it's not about just going straight ahead. And we want to be able to do that, but we want you to be nimble as a defender. We want to put you in conflict at all times. You know, It's easy to look at the read option and say that you put somebody in conflict, and that's easy for everybody to see. But if you're a linebacker against this scheme, we're not reading off of you, but you're in conflict. If you've got to worry about counter every play, oh my God, the headache that must be in order to match the principles, the leverage, to make sure that you get inside when you're supposed to, stay outside for leverage when you need to. Because if you cheat by one step, you're in trouble. It just puts so much pressure on the defense because it can go any which way at the snap of the football. We don't run a ton of power, but we run a hell of a lot of counter. Then you run that with outside zone, and, and you're worried about this one thing that Florida State's been able to run, and now they're getting good enough to run a second thing consistently. I'll bet you, too, that this weekend, tomorrow night's game against Syracuse, probably features more things that are just straight ahead. If you take yeah. a look at the film against Purdue, they yeah. refused to run the ball, which was odd about that game. Rewatching it, it was a crazy Saturday afternoon slate that day, and it was an awesome game. But now watching it for purposes of scouting against Syracuse, Purdue refused to run the football, and if you watch a lot of these runs, they're surging the line of scrimmage three to four yards just straight back into the guts of the linebackers. Clemson did the same thing. Notre Dame did the same thing. The thing I love most about that Miami game, I'll repeat it again, is that Florida State found something that worked, and they didn't get too cute and say, well, we can do this other thing. Screw that. If it's working, we're going to run it over and over and over again. I'd be interested to see what kinds of runs they break out against Syracuse. But I'll bet there'll be more straight-ahead stuff because that's what the film begs for Florida State to do tomorrow. Yeah, and this is where when you have a coach uh, like Jeff Brom at Purdue, he, could, he what is he? Well, he's a former quarterback. That's what he is. He wants to throw the ball. And people, I guarantee you, folks at Purdue are like, Jeff, Jeff, this is his Achilles heel. Every coach has one. And it's, it's rooted usually in what their background is. And Jeff Brom's a really bright guy and a very good coach. He's just a very good coach, period. Louisville would do well to go get him somehow. But anyhow, that said, because uh, that's where he played. But but Jeff Brom wants to. He can't help himself. When you watch Purdue football, I have a weird liking for Purdue football, as I've acknowledged over the years. Yeah. I tend to, when I'm doing the channel flip thing, oh, Purdue's on. I, I can't help myself. I don't know why. But they will they will do something well on the ground. You'll watch an entire drive. Where clearly Jeff has said, okay, we got to run the ball. I know we got to run the ball. I've been told we got to run the ball. And they'll do that. And then the next time they get the ball, does he go back to it? Oh, hell no. We're chucking it around a lot. And you're like, man, come on. It's like he fills his quota. He's like, all right, I've done that enough for yeah. today. Now we get to do what <laughs> I want. It's Pee Wee football. All the kids have played. Right. Okay, now we can play yeah. the 11 we need. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I'm going to do what I got to do so I can do what I want to do. But and that's know. it. That's it. 
that game was begging for it just because they're 255 across the board, and that's also their scheme. I, I get it. They're deficient, and they scheme around it. They do a good job, but they want you to throw into that second level, and that's without Williams, their best corner, who's out for the season. It doesn't matter. If they're only rushing three or if they've got a passive box, six people there, sometimes five and a half, you got to run it right at him, baby. That's what you got to do. If you drop back and and Jordan Travis on Saturday is waiting and waiting and waiting because there's a three-man rush, just hope that the ball hits the turf because they set good traps down there. This oh, yes. game about patience and taking what the defense gives to you. The more flares we throw or checkdowns we throw where he's looking and looking and says no and throws it to Toa Feely or whoever, that is a moment that you should clap tomorrow because that's all they cover very well and they tackle very well in space so this is about patience we talked about it all week long it's about patience you're giving another example where patience is necessary with it is the lone concern i have uh with our offense against their defense i have other concerns on the other side of the ball but but one of the things that i would say about that is when you get rolling the way florida state's rolling now and things come easy because you really have repped them so many times that you have a great understanding of what you're trying to do and guys are succeeding. And now you got Trey Benson running the way that he should run like a, like a big man that he is, you know, and you've got guys who are feeling it. Now they're starting to think, okay, we can put it on people. We can do this every week. Feels good. I mean, we've been toiling for a long time. Now we can go out here and unleash unsheath. If you will have a good time on the football field. That said, you do have to be careful because you can get cocky. You can get, I mean, it's not a, it's not an arrogance that you just think you're better than everybody else. It's that you're succeeding. You're having positive reinforcement repeatedly. And so now who doesn't like positive reinforcement? We do from the time we're that big, right? So you're going to, it's going to lend itself to you just taking that extra risk because you've been rewarded. So at some point you're going to have to dial that back in and Mike's going to have to get into his ear if you've got eight people in coverage, yep. check it down. Eight people in coverage. No NFL quarterbacks don't throw well against eight people in coverage. So, come on, man. Yeah, and the other thing I'd say, too, is that this is also something you just brag about with our offense, and it's so strange, and it's wonderful. But if we throw it quickly to the perimeter, I, tunnel screens I don't think work against a 3-3-5 three, because three, you're going back into the teeth of the middle. Yeah, of the field. yeah, yeah. yeah. Stay, stay away from the middle of the field. That's basically what you want to do. You want to hit it in the run game. And then you want to stay away from it in the past game, if at all possible. If we throw bubbles and flares, they have not seen Syracuse, a group of receivers that can block. block. They have not seen a group that can block like this group. So if we throw four bubbles in the first two drives, I love the game plan because you let Johnny Wilson and McLean and Kentron and whoever else go to work blocking on the perimeter. They come up and they tackle well. That's what the tape says. They haven't seen a group that blocks quite like we do in the perimeter. I hope if the screens we run aren't towards the middle of the field. I hope they're towards the edge of the field. Hour number two forthcoming. By the way, my mom picked up a game on me last week. She did get that Baltimore win. She got, she picked up one game. Yeah. Down to 10? I think it's down to 10, yeah. She picked up one game. She'll join us uh, in the next hour. We'll get our picks in. It's Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. <laughs> 